Hello, everybody. This is Tom Miller from Solar Review. This is number two this week of our Solar Review podcast. The first was a great conversation I had with Boaz about his Geneva Trade Case article and what solar contractors can do to mitigate their risk. The second podcast is with Pam Cargill and Barry Cinnamon. And we're chatting today as a follow-up to a panel Pam ran at SPI called Getting Out of the Race to the Bottom. The panel was a discussion of the different pain points that many solar contractors are experiencing and what they can do to try to overcome those. So Pam and I asked Barry to come on the show this week and share his perspective. If you want to listen to that SPI panel first, that is available in our podcast feed. And if everyone would please subscribe to the podcast uh, and leave an iTunes rating, that would really help us out. And while you're at it, check out our online magazine, Solar Review. Just Google Baywa, that's B-A-Y-W-A, and R period E period view, Baywa Review, and subscribe to the magazine. So one last thing, let us know if you like this follow-up format to the pain points discussion. Pam and I have been talking about doing a few more of these, so let us know if you like it. All right, that's it. Let's get to the discussion. So today I'm here with Barry Cinnamon. Barry ran Akina Solar, the first national scale solar business for many years, and now runs Cinnamon Solar, a small local contracting business. And Barry also runs Spice Solar, which is an integrated racking manufacturer. Uh, In addition to that, Barry also has an excellent podcast called The Energy Show. So you should check that out. Did, uh, Did I get all of that right, Barry? Yeah, you, that's, you got everything there. Um, you might also want to mention that I do a weekly radio show, and, and I have a really good face for radio. Okay. <laughs> and my other guest is Pam Cargill. Pam is the founder of Kaolisti, a solar consulting firm. Pam got her start at Sungevity, and after that began working with small to medium contractors on running the best solar businesses they can. Pam, I also just saw that you were named 2017 Solar Power World Innovator and Influencer, so congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, I was pretty excited to get such a nice accolade from the folks in the industry, so I'm, I'm pretty happy about that. Yeah. That's well, you cool. deserve it. Oh, thanks, Barry. <laughs> so um, the idea behind bringing you both together today was um, to do a follow-up on the SPI panel that Pam moderated. It was called Getting Out of the Race to the Bottom, and Barry also sat on the panel. And the idea today is to kind of do a follow-up of that. Pam, can you really briefly talk about the goal of that panel? Um, What were you trying to address and maybe set up the format uh, of that panel in terms of audience uh, participation? Sure. So what we were trying to address in the session was that the residential sector has been in a bit of a tailspin for the last... I'd say maybe two, three years. And that's really been due to a lot of this literally race to the bottom activity that's been happening. So on prices, sometimes even on quality. And what what this has led a lot of contractors to do is to continue to lower their price and lower their price and lower their price with without doing a lot of thinking and work around what that means in terms of their business operations. So the idea for this session was we wanted to provide a forum for contractors to explore how they could compete and do really well in this business without just competing on price and while getting out of that tailspin and race to the bottom. Mm -hmm. So the format for the session was really to set up a conversation to start with the attendees around 
what pain points they're experiencing in the business currently in their business around, you know, a couple of different categories in their sales and marketing, in how they're managing their personnel, in the policies and regulations that they deal with, the technology choices they're making, and so on. And so that's that was really how we started out the conversation. And then what came out of that was a presentation of, you know, from a couple different small groups, what pain points they're feeling. And we picked a couple of them that we thought we could really address in a, in a session and took about half an hour. And we had Barry and Vincent Battaglia and Boaz and Peter Trost from Energy Circle uh, talking through solutions, like pretty specific solutions to some of those pain points. Mm -hmm. And again, you know, we joked about this during the session, but this really could have been a three hour masterclass on how to run a good solar business. So I'm, I'm actually really glad that we're having this conversation now. And then we brought Barry back in. Yeah. Great. So we're going to address a few of the pain points that the panel didn't have time for. And one that I'd like to start with, uh, Vincent Battaglia, the uh, CEO of Renova, and his group brought up uh, performance analytics as a, a key topic. You know, after the project, what worked, what didn't, what was your margin? Barry, I'm curious, you know, at one time you had hundreds of employees, and now you run a much smaller installation business. But at the beginning, what was your approach to project management and performance analytics, and where are you now? Sure, that, that's a, a really big challenge. So just my experiences over the past 17 years or so, um, you know, every, every, every person running a solar company usually starts off with one or two people. Um, and then you can kind of do everything in your head. Once it starts to grow, you have to kind of coordinate the projects. You're doing, you know, several projects at once. And I found the best way to do it was on a whiteboard where you just have some columns of stages of the job. You know, the it's sold, the permit is in process, the equipment's available, um, the crews are available, et cetera, et cetera. And then you just have rows for all the projects. And you know that you, you start with a little whiteboard, then you get a really big whiteboard, you put black electric tape across mm -hmm. to make the lines, and that worked out fine. And that's what I did. And then um, we, we went public, and then everybody was saying, well, I was the chairman of the, the whiteboard now, um, and this whiteboard <laughs> got pretty big. And, and so, but then we had at that point the resources to put in a really good project management system. So we did a, a really big SaaS implementation of NetSuite and it did our accounting and our project management and our notification and our inventory and our CRM and the whole thing. And it, it worked well, but it was very overhead intensive and there was a lot of training involved. Um, but that's, that's what I did. And I finally sold that company and then, um, Few years later, I went back and said, "All right, I got I got one customer, and I got me doing installations again. Um, you know, older, but um, hopefully wiser." And I started again with a little whiteboard, um, and then the whiteboard got a little bigger. And then this time, I said, "Oh, wait a minute, let's just try and I don't want to do a NetSuite implementation. I'm happy with QuickBooks." Um, and I'm happy with Salesforce as my software, and I have some design software that I've used for years. So how do I do the project management? And what we switched to was um, a whiteboard, but it's really just a big LCD TV plugged into an old de decrepit laptop, and it's running an Excel spreadsheet that is on this this big LCD screen, you know, all the time. And everybody within the company has um, access to this because it's through Google Docs. And um, everybody knows what their responsibility is to change the, the cells in each of the rows. 
And it works out really well because our cruise can be done, you know, at the end of the day and there might be three little things left to do before an inspection's ready. And so on their cell phone, actually, the, the crew leader can go into this whiteboard and say, uh, we got to paint the conduit and we need a grounding wire but other, and some labels, otherwise it's ready for the inspection. Um, so that's a way, that's the way we're communicating and it's, it's working fairly well and um, it was free. Um, mm -hmm. And so that, that's my approach right now and I'll see how scalable that is. Are you are you measuring things differently than you did at the beginning? Yeah, the the um the analytics that I like to look at are the the total cost to do the job. So you you just compare what you sold it for, and then you see what your hours of labor and the labor costs were, and the, the cost of equipment. Then you can kind of figure out what your gross margin is. That's that's kind of the most important thing to look at on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. um, I don't really look at anything else other than kind of the bottom line and, and, you know, the way, the way a lot of solar contractors operate is that there's a certain overhead that you have to cover and you have to hit a certain dollar volume per month or per quarter in order to cover that overhead. And so, you know, we kind of live in an environment where the, the you know, bad weather in the first quarter means we lose money and, and end of year rush towards the you know the last three or four months of the year means when we make money and that's just the the rhythm of the solar industry and just interrupted by weather and uh, external solar coaster events like this uh, ITC thing hitting us. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of policy, Barry, your group at SPI mentioned that local and national regulations were a big pain point. And one suggestion you gave was for contractors to get involved with their local solar organization. You suggest that it's good business practice to understand what's coming so you can try to be ready and adapt. But it also seems like educating the consumer on policy might also be beneficial, both for your business brand, but for the industry as a whole. I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's a good observation. And um, a lot of people in organizations within the solar industry have have tried to reach out to the grassroots customers because heck from the residential side we got over a million homes with solar on it and then that means there's three or four million homeowners that live underneath solar panels and there's uh, hundreds of uh, millions and millions of more companies that have solar panels mm -hmm. on the roof of their buildings and one would expect that the these customers would be engaged on a policy basis and kind of be our grassroots army. Lots and lots of effort has gone into this. And I would say candidly, customers don't care enough to do anything. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's a little bit of a disappointment, but the lobbying that the industry needs to do is very esoteric and very, very hard to get customers to, to go to Sacramento or to contact their um, representative or do anything on a, a federal basis. So it's it's a challenge and, and kind of a disappointment, especially since these customers have a cheaper, better source of electricity if they were able to be active. But we just haven't, as an industry, figured out how to get this grassroots army on our side. Mm -hmm. Now, as far as being, as far as the contractors being aware of kind of what's coming down the pike, that's just absolutely super important. Um, yeah, uh, contractors need to know about the exact status of the investment tax credit. You know, and it's it's a great tool to use to help close business towards the end of the year. So the people right now we're marketing, hey, get your 2017 tax credit. 
by March of next year or April of next year, it's going to be too late to get that tax credit. So do something now, buy the system now. So that's good. Mm -hmm. uh, the tariff is obviously another really, really big thing for contractors to know about the details of those and their, their local solar organizations and national SIA has all that information. But you know, right now we, we have to be preparing for a possible 2018 slowdown if there's a big tariff. If there's no tariff or if the tariff's tiny, not a big deal, but the tariff could be big and there'll be a slowdown. So in being engaged with the solar organization is important. And then finally, from a, a local standpoint, the utilities are being very active to overturn or compromise net metering or change rate design so that the solar is less beneficial. For example, moving the peaks from 10 to 2, the way it was 15 years ago, to 4 to 9 p.m. when the sun's basically down. Um, and the, that's happening. And the implications of that are new technologies like battery storage really are the antidote towards keeping the solar savings very strong. So those are all things that the the, the locals, the, the state and uh, the federal solar organizations will be helpful to help contractors install. And that's why it's important to get engaged. Pam, you work a lot uh, in the policy arena as well. Do you have any thoughts on this? Contractors are, are busy managing projects and getting modules on roofs. It's very hard. Like I, I really applaud, you know, the fact that I have seen Barry in these rooms so many times being involved. It's so it's so hard to take time out of your business to go in and do these activities. But the truth is, this is where our industry is right now. We are a maturing industry. We we are not matured. We can't um, we can't take the policy arena for granted because we are a very policy driven industry. Everything. Everything that creates solar savings and the value proposition for customers comes from the policies. It comes from, you know, what is the time of use window? Where does that sit in the day? Just like Barry was saying, it comes from what is the what is the value of the solar energy that we're pushing and selling back into the grid? This create this helps create that value proposition. There are a lot of contractors who've come into the industry as new businesses since 2009, and they came in taking retail rate net metering for granted. Like it was, you know, it was a part of the sod that they were walking on. But all of these policies, their policies are things that can change so easily. All it takes is a stroke of a pen. And we're going to go through a period over the next several years where there's going to be a lot of disagreement and fighting and grappling over what the utilities want and need and the choices we think consumers should have as sort of this third party energy sector that is, you know, I mean, as Barry was saying with, with battery storage, we are, we're moving into not just being a solar industry, but being a energy services industry. And it's tough to say how we're going to describe that to consumers. And, you know, it creates a lot of business challenges for us and, it's 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 going to be exciting, but we all have a lot of work to do. Um, so I, I I guess I can round that out by saying we do have to take some time out of our day to be at the very base minimum informed about what's happening in the state capital where where we live, and if possible, we have to at least give feedback to our state SIA organizations or to national SIA. And, 
you know, go to go to one of these lobby days if you can. You know, send send one of your employees. It's actually really it's a really great experience. These are you know these legislators can help you out in the future. They can come to one of your ribbon cuttings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd I'd like to add one more last thing because everybody's really busy. And if you're not able to go and, and lobby or participate directly, um, everybody in the in the industry that's dependent on good policy, at the very least, needs to be a member of these organizations. You know, join. Make sure you're you're a member of your state CIA, and if you operate nationally, um, national CIA, and and write a check so you can support these activities. Because I'll tell you, without the lobbying that was done by CalCIA, we would have terrible net metering laws or no net metering laws in California. Yeah, that's true. Without the lobbying that was done by CIA, we would not have an investment tax credit right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, so before I get to my final question, uh, Barry, Pam sent you the list of pain points that the panel came up with, and I'm wondering if you have any thoughts after seeing those. Anything jump out at you? Yeah, you know, I, I, I looked at all of them, and, and they all create a certain amount of pain for me, uh-huh. um, more than the average amount of uh, ibuprofen could handle on a weekly basis. Uh-huh. So I kind of looked at the the overall level of pain points. And I would say the biggest challenge for me as far as running the business, because it crosses so many departments, is kind of what I call coordinating the orchestra, Um, Mm -hmm. keeping the whole flow going from adequate sales coming in to making sure that engineering gets the permits done properly on time to making sure that the equipment is there. And that's, that's hard because we've got you know, shortages of all kinds of stuff or, or just temporary shortages, mm-hmm. making sure that the crews have um, are ready to do the jobs and then making sure there's somebody there to do the inspections and then follow up on the paperwork. So I, I'd say the, the biggest pain point term from me in terms of managing the business is really coordinating that whole orchestra. And that's where a good project management process really becomes helpful. Yeah. So staying calm, looking at the big picture, focusing on what you need to do the day to day. Yeah, and 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 I try to stay calm, but it doesn't always work. <laughs> Barry, while I have you, um, I just want to talk briefly about your energy show podcast. Um, brand came up a lot during the SPI panel, and I see this as definitely an extension of your brand. Is there a strategy behind the podcast? How do you think about your podcast in the context of, of what you do? Um, and maybe it's just fun. Maybe you, you do it and you don't care what happens, and, and that's important too, I think, sometimes but it seems authentically you. Can you talk a little bit about it? Uh, well, well th- thanks thanks for the, those comments. Um, it's a lot of work, and I do it for two reasons. One, just because um, I think it's the right thing to do to, to help the industry, to talk to um, really have a forum for these issues. And, and many of these issues go completely way over the heads of the people who are in their cars, you know, listening to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the other reason that I do it is it is a good source of, of uh, marketing and awareness for my installation business, Cinnamon Solar in Silicon Valley. So it, you know, I kind of look at it as a marketing effort, and it's, it's a marketing investment that I make. But then once that the podcast asset is done and in the can and, and played aired on the radio, I'm able to take that podcast and then – send out an email blast to our cinnamon solar customers, to the spice solar customers and, and people within the industry. And um, I get kind of some nice leverage with that. And then I'm also able to occasionally send it out on 
other publications. So it runs um, almost weekly on Renewable Energy World. So more people can kind of hear about it there. So it, it's kind of one of those uh, efforts to re, re, reuse content that's been created in multiple ways. And so I get more leverage out of it in that fashion. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. Well, this is my final question. I'd like to ask you both to name two resources that you go to regularly for information. They don't have to be solely related, but they can be. Uh, and these are resources, web pages, people, anything you like that you engage with that helps you do your job better. Uh, Barry, let's start with you. Well, the, the two resources that I like to go to were kind of at the opposite ends of the, the spectrum. The first is that I like to meet with customers and mm. that's time consuming. You know, I have salespeople that are doing that, but sitting down at their dining room table or meeting with them in terms of the, um, during the, the process is important. We also do seminars, so that's kind of helpful to meet with them. So, and they tell me things or expose things that they may not know about the solar industry that helps me as a company explain it. And it also, it's important because it, we and in the industry have to, tone down some of the jargon and the technology because it goes right over these heads. I mean, these customers are buying a system once. They don't need to know the difference between SDC and PTC. It's kind of crazy. And then <laughs> so true. The, the second, the second side, the second side of the spectrum is I like to meet with manufacturers because that gives me some insight into what, what they're doing, what their new products are and, and how their products are going to be compatible with other products within the industry. And, and that's that's a really important thing because we have a lot of silos of individual companies coming out with inverters and mounting systems and batteries and uh, monitoring. And it's really up to the contractor to find a way to integrate that. And we can integrate just about anything, but there's only a very few things that we can integrate efficiently and inexpensively. So I like to meet with manufacturers to find out what they have that's going to make my job as a, a contractor um, more profitable and easier. So your approach is to be out there talking with people all the time. Yeah, people say I'm usually pretty out there. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's why I keep running into Barry everywhere because he's he's out there as much as I am. So uh, so I'd say um, to answer this question, I could I could repeat what Barry just said because I I do a lot of those things, but I'll I'll add something a little different, which is I do. I do two things first thing in the morning when I get to my office. One of them is I check my Google alerts. So I've set up a couple special Google alerts that help bring news to me. And so these Google alerts are things like solar plus net energy metering, solar plus law plus ordinance. There, I've got a couple key key phrases that I've set up. And then Google goes out there and it aggregates local news stories from all over the country and even all over the world that I, I look through every morning to, to just get a feeling for what's happening at the hyperlocal level or what's moving at the national level or at the state level. And that, that helps me frame a little bit of what's happening. Like right, right now, the elephant that's working its way through the snake of solar news, obviously, is anything that has to do with the investment, uh, the the trade case, right? So, so I'm looking at, well, what are the best and most interesting stories happening around that? And then what's other stuff happening on the fringes? So that's one set of news and one set of information I'm looking at. The next one is 
I check in with my network, my, my network around the world on LinkedIn. And I see what stories are they posting? What conversations are they having? This is often how I find out like what, who, who's the latest contractor who's gone out of business. I found out about Level Solar in Long Island. They were a, they were a big door-to-door operation. They went out of business um, and suddenly everyone was reposting on LinkedIn that, oh, my, my company just went out of business and, you know, it was kind of a big scandal. And, you know, so that, that's sort of, I mean, I, I hate to say it's sort of like following the solar gossip a little bit, but, you know, this is how I get a feel for what's happening at the contractor space uh, all over the nation. And just generally speaking, what's the health of the industry? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we are out of time. Uh, Big thanks today to Pam Cargill and Barry Cinnamon for taking the time to be with us today. Hopefully we can do this again sometime. This is great. Thanks, Tom. All right, great. Terrific. Uh, Great questions, Tom, and uh, pleasure as always to get insights from Pam. Okay, that's it for today. Thanks again to Barry and Pam for taking the time. Don't forget to subscribe and rate us on iTunes and check out our online magazine, Solar Review. Just Google Baywa Review. That's B-A-Y-W-A-R period E period U, Baywa Review. Okay, I'll see you next time.